Hey guys, it's me, Alex. Uh, I just realized, so I know I retired after 300 episodes. I, it happened. But thing is, I realized that uh, there are certain guests that I was on their show more times than they were on mine. It's like, how the hell can I actually say I did 300 real episodes if I have this, you know, unequal balance of guest appearances versus guest having ons? And it just, I felt like a shitty host. And I felt like a shitty host as like a, a person that has someone in their house. So I replugged in all the equipment. I said, all right, we're going to get episode 300 done right this time. And then I can retire the show. That's what we're doing right now. So I've brought out the big guns. Rojan from Project Archivist is back on the show. Hello, sir. Are you calling me fat? Um, I mean, I wasn't, but I mean, I can if you want to. I, I, I'm not the nicest person well, in the world. big guns, so. Oh, well, uh, anyways, I, I, was yeah. saying, I was saying you're swole. I'm swole. Okay, yeah, yeah that'll work. That work. Sure. You're 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 Han Swolo, as the uh, as as oh the kids are, are calling Kylo Ren. I have my my porn name, which is Hung Solo, but Ooh. that's yeah. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you just masturbation porn. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so how you been? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I've been taking a break from podcasting here. When there we've we've cut the show back a lot and been taking more and more time with it because I damn near almost walked away from it, but uh. You know, I um, you know, I, I everybody knows on my show I've got a surgery coming up this week. I've been rambling on about that for for months now. So you know, other than that, everything's cool. You know, getting ready for the holidays and surviving Black Friday, and uh, as I'm drinking actually bourbon right now. So you know, oh fun. Uh, what's what's this? Getting your knee fixed? Is that the surgery? No, that was the surgery that I. It seems like every year now it's it's become a holiday tradition in our house that every year Rojan has surgery. Last year it was my knee, and this year um, I have a hernia that I'm getting taken care of in my belly button. Um, if anybody cares to hear about that, but uh, yeah, it's it's been long overdue, and and finally this year it just my body was like, no, no, you 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 need to get this fixed now. So I'm gonna have that done, and then I'll have four to five weeks off to just sit around and chill, which means I'll probably be ripping my hair out and losing my mind. But you know, aside from that. You know, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is the how is the the lesson contest schedule? Does that feel different? I've I've been doing well, the same thing, sort of, and it's weird. What? Well, we've been we've been doing it for going on eight years now, and um, I, I get like this every year, but it's it's like this year was particularly more intense to where it's just uh you know, I'm busy. My co-host is busy. My co-host has got uh, three kids and he's married and he's got a full-time job. So scheduling with him can be very difficult. And the other thing is it's just that um, like I'm, I'm really bad about podcasting. Everybody jumps on my case about it a lot. But my my big thing, I've got like um, I've got like anxieties and stuff about my show where it's like we're only as good as our last episode. And I, I frequently say that a lot and people get pissed at me. But like we're we're not necessarily entirely a paranormal show. We do cover a lot of paranormal, but we do, we cover a lot of weird and strange and we try to cover different stuff than anybody else puts out there. Or if we do cover something that somebody's done, we try to look at it in a different way. This can be taxing. Um, 
constantly trying to be the guy that goes out and finds new and different stuff or, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and the other thing is it's like, here's me on Saturday night sitting in front of my computer producing a podcast. So it's kind of like, Hey, I'd like to go out and see a movie with my buddy or hang out with the wife or something. So I just, it got to a point of critical mass with me where it was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So I just really severely cut back. But we also have the luxury of this. Since we've been doing it for so long, I can put a best of episode every once in a while and just chill out and stuff. So, um, like we talked about it and I think we've just kind of decided let's, let's slow down a little bit. Let's do a little bit more digging. Let's try to get back to our roots and, you know, let's just take it easy and, and take things as they come at this point. So, so far it's working, you know, so far I'm not feeling the burnout as much, but it just, you know how well, you, you, you're a podcaster yourself, so you know how it can be, you know, it just, uh, after a while it just gets maddening and stuff. So yeah, no, I hear you. That's it's, yeah. It's nice to take a break every once in a while. Well, that's, that's what I did. I, I took a few months off and came back with this 300th episode that we're on. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> we're, we're coming up on 300. I think we're at 284 or 285 or something like that. Well, we've pro- if you take all of the shows that we did, even the little specials and stuff, I'm sure we're way over 300. But official episodes, yeah. you know, actual episodes, I think we're like 285, something like that. Yeah, if you count if you count like dumb shit, I think I was over three hundred a while ago. But yeah, because yeah. I started, I think I'm going on eight and a half nine years now. So I, I assume and my schedule has been awful over the years. So mm-hmm. I figured anybody that's made it about as far as we have, we got to be floating around that three hundred number. Yeah, you know, I, I try to have something out every week. I, it's just I just try to, you know, and I'm very much schedule must have it this way. But um. A few years ago, we bounced over. We left our old server and moved to a new one. And in doing so, we lost a few people. And we picked up a whole bunch of new ones that haven't heard our old stuff. So, again, I've got that buffer that I can go back to whenever I want to throw something up there for the most part. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, I, I definitely didn't get into podcasting for the money or the hookers or the blow. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. There, there, you wouldn't get very far with that. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't speak for your show, but for me, if I, uh, if I wanted to buy cocaine or hookers off of the Alex Cast uh, earnings, I would, I'd be doing. You'd have like an eighth of an eighth of a quarter of a line. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd have a dot of cocaine. Yeah. I'd, I'd <laughs> like actually, porn. yeah, I'd be jerking off while snorting St. Joseph's baby aspirin. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Podcasting. I, I, we did it guys. This is what eight, nine years of my life dedicated to comes out. Well, let me <laughs> ask you this thing. Cause everybody always asks me this. What, what did you, when you got into podcasting, what was the main reason you got into it for? Did you do it to entertain other people or to learn new stuff for yourself? I mean, you know, weirdly, I did it because I was putting out a book at the time. This was my first little short story collection. And I wanted – I hadn't been reading. I used to do a lot of open my poetry and, well, I got paid a few times, like, doing readings. And I was so out of the loop. And I was living in Portland. I was kind of – not new to Portland, but I'd been living in Portland for a few years and I'd kind of let my – that kind of life slip. So I needed an outlet to read and there was nothing going on here. So podcasts were about a month old. So I went, I'll do this. I'll just record some weird reading stuff. And then that didn't fill enough time to make a podcast. So I just talked about stories or whatever was going on that I found amusing. And then it became a show, which I didn't really mean to it. So I don't, I didn't have anything in mind going into it. I just needed someplace to babble uh, to try to get used to talking in front of crowds again. Mm-hmm. And then literally, so going on nine years later, I think I've done one reading in public since then. No, I don't even think I've done a reading since I started the show. And that was specifically <laughs> the reason to do it. So, uh. 
has it taken you into directions that you didn't think you would go or have you learned new things from it or oh yeah definitely like i yeah. i never thought i would so i mean i th- oh yeah i talked about it on your show and i've talked about on this show a bunch of, like i never thought i'd be so open about uh two things i never thought i'd be so open about being like kind of a magic practitioner and i'd never thought i'd talk about depression as openly as i do that those were it's not like i ever thought oh i'm never going to do this but it's just kind of that was personal life stuff, but when you run out of shit to talk about, as as I'm sure you know, just you just start pulling out at any thread you have left. You're just like that thing. All right, fine, I'll talk about that. I just need something to fucking fill up. Wow, no, I can't yeah. say I've actually been in that situation, but we're a, we're a different kind of show than you guys. Oh are, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I started, know. and that was kind of the surprise. So that like that taught me a lot of stuff, and then that opened up a lot of doors of like avenues of research, and you know, it, yeah, definitely. Definitely opened up a few kind of windows that I don't think I would have opened if I didn't have a show, whether or not that was good or not, which I think it was good, but who the hell knows, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't have a time machine, so I can't go back and figure it out the other way. I think we got into it, and this leads partially to why it's like, do I really want to do this anymore? But I think we got into it because, well, I can't really speak for Lobo, but I got into it and I think he got into it because we wanted to, to explore and, and do different new things. Like... We had been, me and him had both listening to mutually to a lot of the same podcasts and like Mysterious Universe and Area Radio. And there's all these shows that we were listening to coast to coast, I think may have been in there for me. And um, we had were very interested in the paranormal, but we had already known most of the stuff that these people were talking about. You know, you can only I go back to this one. It's the go one, which is you can only hear about Roswell so many times. So I wanted to do primarily a show so it gave me reasons to learn about new things in the process of learning new things i would be telling other people new things that people don't normally talk about or these little obscure bits of strangeness that are out there all over the place and uh it was like well how come you don't talk about like the amityville horror house or how how, you know how come you don't talk about you know whatever paranormal greatest hits topic is out there and it's like because i already know about that stuff you know i want to learn I want to learn about other weird stuff. I want to, I want to go deep into obscuria, you know, and that was what it was. And, but again, we've been, there's only so much of it out there. And after you got to dig and you got to dig and you got to go. And, you know, my new thing within the last couple of years is finding these really obscure blogs that talk about really strange and old, weird stuff that not a lot of people have heard of. And then, uh, I'll find them and I'll like and I'll bug them. I'm like, hey, can we have can we, can you come on the show and talk about some of the stuff on your page? And one of two things happens. Yes, I'll come on your show, and chances are they've never been on a podcast before. So even that can be a fight. Or B, you never hear from them ever again. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, I know that. That's basically why I stopped booking guests for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, tired I mean, of the no response. <laughs> You know, for every 10 requests I send out, I might get four or five back. And of those five, three of them will actually work out. But yeah, you that, know, that after just, a while, you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> that just runs you. I, I don't know if you've had him on the show or you've tried, but do you know Dr. Beachcombing? I know who Dr. Beachcombing is. Um, he's only done one podcast that I know of. He did an episode of Banal of America. I know somebody who knows him, but from what I understand, he's very, very difficult to get on. Oh, is that he's true? very oh, hard okay. to set up an interview with. I would, he's, he's been on my bucket list for years to get on the show because, uh, Beachcombing's Bizarre History blog has so, so, so much stuff in it. Um, the closest I can get to him is, is Joshua Cutchen, who's, um, kind of a big, uh, protege of his, jo- Josh studies a lot of beachcombing's posts and stuff. Oh, that guy's, and he, I do as he well. He goes on but, MU, right? 
uh, Josh Kutchin? Yeah. Or maybe yeah, they just read his stories because that name is really familiar to me. Well, he's been on every show. He's been everywhere. He's like we're I'm I'm kind of arrogant about that. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm <clears throat> excuse me, that um that he's a friend of ours. And um, you know, it's I'm really happy. Like we we've known him since he first very you know, since he got started into this stuff, and we've we've known him for quite some time. And um, you know, he's like he comes on our show because he can be a total clown and a jackass. But we also talk about different things with him. We'll wait till he goes out. He goes on every other show. And then we'll say, all right, you want to come on our show now? And he'll say, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about that you haven't talked about yet? And then he just he just like explodes with all this stuff he wants to talk about. And of 100 percent, I say we, we usually end up covering like 25 percent of it when, when he's on the show with us. But um. Yeah, he's he he comes on our show because he can be a complete total jackass. He doesn't have to play it straight like he does on every other show. Yeah, but he's done a lot of research. Um, his big thing is uh, researching fairy folklore and how, in regards, is the route he's been going down lately is is how it's in regards to like UFO abduction phenomena and how closely it mirrors it, which isn't a new topic. Um, it's been addressed a few times, but. Josh puts a real nice polish and sheen on it, and he uh, he takes it uh, very much further. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be going down that road, but uh, but he's he's very much a fairy folklorist, and me and him jive really well because that's been my big thing for years and years. I've got dozens of books on fairy folklore and magic and things like that. So you know, um, yeah, he's just a real fun guy to have around. When we when we get it, when we get him on. We you know every chance we have to get him on, we take it as much as possible. Yeah, that, now that you said, I totally know who that guy is. They they reference him on Mysterious Universe constantly, not constantly, mm-hmm. but he's the fairy folklore guy. That's the guy they reference. You know, he knows the stuff, so yeah, yeah that's probably why. He's, that, you know, totally down to earth guy, no ego at all, very humble, very. You know, he's he's very he's he's pretty much the guy in the scene right now, and he's totally down to earth person, very sociable, very easy to talk to. He's not at all a rock star. Yeah. That was one of those moments, and I, I've had a few of these in my life, where I thought I broke a fucking door down, where I I was reading some fairy encounter. I went, holy shit, these are the greys. And it, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I can't believe, I can't believe I figured this out and no one's ever thought of this before. And I looked mm-hmm. into it for about six seconds and every single person ever has had that idea before me. And I'm sure I saw his research and everybody else is like, oh, okay, apparently. Well, Valet just, was <laughs> the one who really started it. Yeah, I um, I didn't I had never read that book until I was like what uh what's his famous book the one with the cool cover with the kind of tower card looking cover. I always mess it up and say passport to Patagonia, but I know that's not what it is and if Josh is hearing this right now I'm sure he's laughing. That's the one. Um, yeah, passport to whatever it is. It's not the book, but it sounds just like yeah. that. And um I should actually look it up and get it right. But, but uh, um yeah, I had that book. I knew Jacques Vallée was like Jacques Vallée was um as a UFO guy, but I I never really read a ton about UFOs other than just kind of watching rando documentaries. So like I wasn't mm-hmm. super well versed. So when I found out about that, I ended up reading that book and I was like, oh, okay, this is well trod territory. But it's so funny because it's there's just this giant gap in my knowledge store where it's like, how the hell did that happen? It's like it's like if I didn't know like that there was a state called Iowa. Where it's like I've read every single thing around this. Like I've I've read but to everything. Be fair, Iowa doesn't have a lot going on in it, so yeah. But I mean, you could see how like somehow you missed it. You know, of the states, that could be one that's mm-hmm. you know. But I was like, how the fuck have I never heard of this? But it's just it was one of those like weird like. I mean, to be fair, it's not the most well known thing. But like in the world that I traffic in, it was like how the, this is weird and. and I, this was pre uh, Mandela effect, but like maybe I'm in another universe and this didn't exist before. <laughs> it's the only um, way. He was actually uh, you've seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? Yeah. 
Okay, the, the the French scientist that was in, that that was who that was based on. Yeah, yeah, I know that. So. I know that now. <laughs> my old, uh, we actually talked about that. Uh, John and I did did that on the John and Alex hate stuff mm-hmm. on one of the many episodes that we didn't actually hate the movie. Very poorly named show. <laughs> Passport to Magonia. That's the name of the book. I always want yeah. to say Patagonia, and I don't know why I do that. And he called me out on it last time he was on the show, and we had a big laugh about it. But it's Passport to Magonia. I yeah. read that book. Years ago, when I was in high school, I, I was I read um, Passports of Begonia, and then I think within a few months, I ended up reading um, Communion from Whitley Strieber, and uh, there was a couple of Bud Hopkins books that I read around that time, and that that was kind of what got me on that path of you know of researching that stuff. So, is Strieber still considered valid nowadays? I, I'm so out of the I UFO stuff. I don't know. You know yeah. what I read? This is where I'm going to piss a lot of people off since we're into the uh, woo-woo area here. Yeah. Um, I read um, I read his first book, and I read, I read Communion, and of course it you know it was just like everybody else. I walked by, saw, saw the cover of the book, and it was like, whoa, and it just grabbed me. And I remember, I think I read that book within like two days period of time or so. I read it really quickly. And uh, that was when I was 17, I believe, it was 16 or 17 was when I read it. And I was really blown away by it. But as time went on, um, he just got really more and more out there to a point where I couldn't really relate with what he was talking about anymore. Yeah, that's like, why I asked. I've got a limit yeah. that here, – like here's the thing for me. Um, I don't know where you stand on all this stuff and we can get into that too. But like I'm – I very much am a skeptic but – I have to preface that by saying that I think there is something to this stuff. Ghosts, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot's about the only thing that I'm not a real big, you know, fan of or whatever. But all of this stuff, I believe there's something there to it because I've experienced some of it myself. I've experienced quite a few different things. Um, so I know if I've experienced it, that, that, you know, in my, in my mind, I've experienced it. So there's something there cause I've experienced it. So I can't laugh at the stuff, but I think about 95% of it out there is garbage. So it's not that I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like calling myself a skeptic because a lot of skeptics are very smarmy, very arrogant, very pretentious. And, uh, you know, like they poo poo everything and, and tend to want to laugh at people and, and they have this arrogant attitude about making fun of people about this stuff. And I don't want to go that far, but the fact is that a lot of the stuff out there is garbage. You know, it's the, um, it's the ghost hunterfication, if you will, um, of all of this stuff of paranormal. And the other thing is, is I've been, I've been studying this stuff and researching it for so long and it, it's, you know, a lot of it just goes nowhere and, and you, you kind of become disillusioned with it, but there's that little 10% there that still, that still makes me latch on going, what is this? Yeah. And, um, you've got like for like UFOs, you've got the extraterrestrial hypothesis. You've got the hypothesis of this is, um, this is some kind of consciousness is interacting with us. You've got something else like this is some kind of intelligence that's messing with us. Or you've got the trickster theory where, you know, this is just something mimicking everything and screwing with us. And then people go, where do you fall into this? And I go, well, I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, I don't I don't have a problem believing in extraterrestrial life. And they go, oh, okay, so you think all oh, this is extraterrestrial? I was like, no, I don't. But I think that's a piece of the puzzle. You know, I don't have a problem with the concept that possibly aliens have visited here and probably may still visit here or whatever. But I also believe that there could be something out here that's mimicking this phenomenon and just having fun with us. And, you know, do I believe in ghosts? Possibly. You know, I, I've, I've had EVP-like experiences. But that doesn't mean that there's something out there, again, mimicking that phenomena just to screw with us as well. And ultimately, 
I don't think we're ever going to know exactly what this stuff is. You know, I just don't think it's in our realm of comprehension to be able to understand some of this stuff. You know, we can get a little piece of it here and there. You know, we might be able to bite off a nugget of it or something like that, but not enough to get to get a full meal out of it. So, yeah, there's this interesting thing, uh, not to keep bringing them up, but the guys at MU talk about this a lot because they've you can just hear they've run out of shit to talk about. They keep going back to this. uh, The kind of the basically what you just mentioned is that the the phenomenon and this is the vague way of putting it because it's one of those kind of untouchable, weird, slippery concepts. Mm -hmm. The phenomenon responds to you looking at it. It's like in this weird kind of quantum cat state where. If it's like it, you can accidentally get a picture of a UFO, but if you try to get one, it won't happen. Like you, you can accidentally see a Bigfoot, but if you're looking for one, it won't happen. And it's across the board, all of this shit. And it seems like there's like a an intelligence behind it. And, yeah. Or it's yeah. Or it's all bullshit, which I can't. I can't. I can't think it's all bullshit. But no, it's I weird that either, they we're, we're at all I've seen yeah. stuff with my own eyes, and I'm like, I what I'm experiencing right now is not bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I mean, who knows you know. what. You know, there's there's ways eyeballs can be wrong. You know, like there's weird, mm-hmm. your brain fires oddly. But I mean, I don't know. I I it's such a it's such a horseshit like science side explanation. But like, yeah, it's one of those. It's so weird that there's like this overlying kind of similarity between so many what should be disparate phenomena. But that reminds me. So did you see the the um, the trailer for the new Bob Lazar documentary? I have not. It's on. I have not now. Um. Okay, if something starts auto-playing now, uh, forgive me. I'm going to see if I can't open the <laughs> the YouTube I know page. there's a whole bunch of like... Yeah, no, stop auto-playing. Yeah, auto-playing. Just... yeah, there it is. Oh, it's gone now. Yeah, okay. It happens. There it's one go. of those things. But well, I know there's a hey, whole I bunch of like UFO-oriented <laughs> things that are on the horizon coming up, like Purdue shows. I think Lawrence Fishburne just announced that he's going to put some kind of a US UFO kind of show together of some kind himself. So um, there's the one about a uh, Heineck, I believe, coming out some kind of a show based around Heineck or something like that, um, coming up on Netflix, I believe. I'm not sure what it is though. Yeah, um, this one is this this dude got the first uh, interview with Bob Lazar in um, what is it? You know, twenty thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, this documentary, so it's him on camera in the interview, which is that's the reason I found it interesting because it's not just. You know, it's not it's not a Corey Good special where it's just, hey, let's just make up some bullshit and say it into camera. Like, it's like <laughs> that's what most of these things are. Yeah, about. but no, this is this is at least the guy that made up the original bullshit coming out of hiding and you know him having credentials or whatever. But yeah, it's I'm I'm really psyched for. It yeah, this, at your yeah, leisure. I've, I've yeah. seen the preview. I've seen this, uh, not the show, but I've seen the preview. For yeah, yeah, that. just but it's I, I'm so the Bob Lazar story is one of those ones that I'm I am fascinated by because the guy seems like he's got his. He's like a legit, like, fucking physicist, whatever the fuck he is. Like, he's like a real guy. Like, that's crazy. Like, that he says, no, we have UFOs. We've got technology from them. It's 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 one of those ones that just, I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, again, you got to be careful with that because, you know, look what happened. You know the Benowitz story, right? Paul Benowitz? Uh, which one's he? Uh, that name's so familiar. I'm sure I know it. Paul Benowitz was short story. It was a guy. With, I'm going to tell you the very abbreviated oh, please. Notes yeah. version of the story. Um, he was a guy that lived in New Mexico and he uh, had a. Uh, he was a pretty smart guy. He was really, really intelligent, actually. He was working on different programs and stuff for uh, communications and things like that. And he was had an air base, a UFO, uh, not a UFO base, but an air base by his house. And he was watching, uh, he was starting to film these crafts that were coming in and landing and then taking back off again. 
So he contacted – he thought they were UFOs and he felt it was his duty to um, report these to the government and say, hey, I don't know if you know what's going on, but this is what I've got right here and this is what I'm seeing and what have you and blah, blah, blah. So uh, the government more or less drove this guy crazy. They said, you know what, um, rather than saying, you know what, yeah, you, this, you better contact the White House or whatever and just blowing him off, which is what they could have done. They started feeding him information. Um, some of it was false and stuff. They kept they, they basically fed into him that, yes, these are UFOs. You're the only one seeing this, blah, blah. And they drove the guy crazy. Um, and it was through a, a whole bunch of misinformation. And what, what I believe it was, it was, you know, pretty much what, what everybody thinks it was for the most part was the government was just a, a testing advanced aircraft. They were testing some form of laser propulsion or what have you from that air base. So when this guy came forward and said, yes, I've got these videotapes and I've got this film and what have you, they were like, well, let's see how much this guy knows. So what they started doing is, um, <clears throat> they started feeding him disinformation and they just really started screwing with the guy to the point where it actually drove him insane. It drove him nuts. So now when I see stuff like this, I tend to wonder if it's like another Benowitz situation, like the same thing that's going on with uh, uh, the guy from Blink-182, Tom DeLonge or DeLonge or however the hell his name is, where he's got the whole from the stars to the stars academy. Where, oh, yeah. You know, all that stuff. So you got to wonder, you know, every time somebody comes along and says, yes, I've got this information and stuff. I always wonder, well, how much of what you're being told is just disinformation that's put out there to muck up the waters a little bit more? Or are these like government research experiments or is this just more, you know, reindeer games of people screwing around with people? And, you know, it's because it's a, it, it happens. It's it has happened. And, you know, it's it's a thing that goes on. So and if you want to. If, if you want to – a great way if your country's testing like experimental craft or something and you want to um, keep it from getting out there, what you do is you put a little bit of real information and muck it up with a bunch of misinformation and disinformation to the point where nobody can tell if what you're talking about is real or not and you end up coming out sounding like one of those crazy UFO guys yeah. for the most part. So – when I see stuff like this, that's always in the back of my head is like, number one, is this guy full of shit? What is he selling? Number two, does he really believe in what he's talking about? Number three, does he, why does he believe in what he's talking about? You know, did he legitimately see something or was he given information? Whenever the government is involved in this stuff, it's kind of like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't put much faith in that. I don't, because, because all of this stuff that's ever been put out there, once you go to hang your hat on it, the hook disintegrates and your hat drops, you yeah. know, and you look like a fool. So for me, I just sit back and look at all of it, you know, because me being the way that I am and not wanting to um, necessarily believe or disbelieve in anything, it's kind of, you know, when you're out on the outside, it's like when you're not a Republican and you're not a Democrat and you're an independent and you can sit back and look at everything that's going on and see how much everything is screwed up and make your own decisions based on what you see, what's going on. Because once you get in, once you get involved and you start, you know, once you tie yourself to something, you become of that school. And here I go again. Am I making sense? <laughs> oh no, you totally. I'm, I follow that completely because I, I I come from the school of thought of doubt absolutely everything. Like the the yeah. Robert Anton Wilson school of every belief system is just that BS belief system. Like just yeah. I don't I I try to be a lowercase s skeptic, but then even then it's. Is that me being too materialist? And am I over, you know, so I try to yeah, overthink absolutely I, everything. I, I, exactly what you're talking about. I fight that battle all the time. It's like, I can't be, am I a believer or am I not a believer? It's this constant battle you have going back and forth because you're trying to balance on this fence and it just gets so hard sometimes. But, you know, it's, 
you, you don't want to get too involved with it because it's like, well, what if this is all bullshit, you know? But if it is all, if it's all bullshit, then how do I explain what I saw? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird. And the Lazar one, the reason that one jumps out because I don't care about UFO stuff all that much because I feel like it's not provable, so it's it just feels like a waste of yeah. time. But that one is because he didn't sell any books, which passes my media test of like, oh, he's not getting any money out of this, and basically well, just went away yes for a while. No. He's, you know, here you have a guy that's putting a story out there. You know, can, does he go to UFO conventions? How many people want to hear his story when he does interviews? Um, no, but I mean, he doesn't. He went away for 30 years. Like he, yeah. I think he did like a few interviews when the story first came out and then just went, well, I mean, I guess maybe he could have went, oh, this was a stupid idea. And then just, you know, yeah. <laughs> tried to hide his face because he realized how, how much of an ass he made of himself. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, this... It's it's like the guys that you know. One of my stories that I go back to is the Rendlesham UFO sighting over in Rendlesham, Germany, with the uh, military guys. Again, abbreviated, super short story. I know there's people that out there that know about this stuff that are probably ripping their ears apart right now hearing me say this stuff this way. But well, I never story. do UFOs on the show, so I'm I'm totally happy you recapping famous shit because it's like Rendlesham. I know as yeah. I'm not even a UFO guy that much anymore. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, the Rendlesham story, a couple of guys that were on the base saw lights out in the field, went out and explored it, and there were lights that reported at night around this base over a se several nights. Um, and uh, one of the guys was one of them said, yeah, I actually touched the craft. And then years later, uh, he was on, I believe it was the Paracast, and I heard him tell another story where it was like, well, yeah, I touched the craft. And then information was downloaded into me. Well, what kind of information? Oh, no. Um, yeah. Information that was going to be needed in the future, like right about now when things are starting to go bad. It was one of those really weird, vague, like, stories. It's like, all right, dude, you know, you had me. I was a little weird about you walking up and touching the, touching the UFO. Now you're adding to the story that information was downloaded into you. And, and you have a lot of these guys that do this stuff because – they do these UFO tours. They go to conventions where people, they give talks and people pay money to hear the talks. They do the whole go on paranormal show circuits and things like that. And if somebody tells their story, once people have heard their story, then people really don't care to hear from them anymore. So they have to go and change their story every so often. And if you watch it, they change their story every once in a while so they stay relevant. So they go back out. Oh, now there's more information. Now I got to go see him give his talk, another talk. And, you know, it becomes this whole, you know, make the circuit kind of thing. Well, like, like, like people like Travis Walton, Travis Walton has always had the same story and he doesn't really do interviews anymore because he just doesn't, you know, he's talked about it enough. The information that he talks about is out there. So I, I kind of give credence to what Travis Walton is saying. He doesn't, um, he doesn't, there's, he doesn't have much more to gain off of it. You know, he's already made the movie and stuff like that. And there's just not much more. He, he hasn't gone back and really changed his story that much over the years, at least in drastic ways yeah. to a point. Like if he were to come out and say, okay, now this is actually what happened. I was taken to planet Klobnar and I was morphed into a giant super, you know, where if he starts changing the story, then it's like, all right, you know, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> then a, my, then that, my skeptical sense starts tingling. That's a Schreiber thing. Like where it's his original story was interesting. And then all of a sudden it started getting weird and woo-woo and now his whole shit is woo-woo. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You need to go on speaking tours and you had the one thing. And it just, it just sucks to watch sometimes. Like I have a friend who I'm going to completely change every detail about this person. But let's say they showed up as a, um, as a, uh, a, a Reiki healer, like just this one thing. Well, turns out he can't talk about that that much or make that much money off of it. 
So within a month, he was a tarot card reader and an expert. He's like, wait, wait a second. I knew you last month. You didn't know anything about tarot cards, but I was a tarot mm-hmm. expert. And like over the course of the last two years, I've watched him turn into this one thing and just goes, oh shit, I can't make any money off of this. And now he's this full service, like uh, multimedia occult specialist kind of expert. It's like, dude, wait, what the fuck? That's two years ago. Yeah. You were just a Reiki guy. And it's like, I, I get it. You're hustling. You're trying to make some money off of it. But it's like, I've... I'm watching this happen. Like, I don't, I'm not going to call bullshit because I like you, but <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like locally. Okay. Remember when, when ghost hunting was big, like when, when ghost hunters first made the scene and then all of a sudden you started seeing ghost hunting groups popping up everywhere and they all had their little EVP devices oh, and yeah. their little EMF readers. And, you know, they, they were all trying to follow the formula and it was like, okay, you know, I get this, but it's like these groups never last. You know, my buddy was, God, I think six years ago he was getting into this stuff. He's like, you want to come join our group? And I'm like, no, because it's like, you're just, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're LARPing, you're live action role playing. You know, it's like, you're just, you saw this on TV. So, and some of them were like, yeah, we want to get a show. You know, we want to get a group together and hopefully we can get a pilot for a show. And it's like, well, you're doing it. You're, you're not doing it for the right reasons. I don't know. Maybe that is the right reasons. I mean, if that's what you want to do, you know, then yeah, but that stuff never seems to last. It kind of, it kind of gets glittery and shiny, then it dulls out. And I've always seen when people get into this stuff and then like ghost hunting really is very boring. I don't know if you've done it or not. I've done it several times. No, I want to go so bad, but like I've never, I never had a crew that, that wanted me to go, not wanted me to go along. I've never known a crew well enough to actually like go along with it. But it sounds, yeah, it's, you just sit around for hours doing nothing, but it yeah, sounds. You sit around yeah. and ask, is there anybody here? Can you make a noise? Can you do and And 95% of the time you don't get anything. Very, very rarely. Now when you do, it's like going hunting for, you know, out in the woods with a gun or whatever. And then, oh, there's the deer. You got it. Your heart races, blah, blah. So ghost hunting can be that way. But, you know, because most people have better things to do after they've gone up like three or four times. It's like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go uh, hang out with my girlfriend tonight and maybe I'll get lucky rather than sitting in this old abandoned house with no yeah. power. You know? <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want to go the one time just to experience it. I have a, yeah, I, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 it's like, all right. I'm friends with a but, bunch of those ghost hunter people on, on Facebook. And this one lady, I, I adore. Like, I love her work. I love her writing. She's great. And she's not a bullshit artist. But she posted some of her EVP results. And I can't hear fucking shit. And other, yeah. other people hear it, though. And it's like, am I, like, and I think it's just because I've been doing a podcast for so long. It's like, I think I just know what static sounds like better. Like, I think I just have a trained ear. And, I mean, I, I she's not trying to hoodwink anybody. She, this is totally legit. I adore this lady. Like this is not bullshit, but it's, eh, that doesn't, I don't hear that at all. And you know, people are commenting like, Oh, I heard it clear as day. They, they said this. It's like, Oh man, that just, that just sounded like a, I'm not hearing it, man. I'm not hearing it. I just, (laughs) yeah, it just sounds like a microphone that did some wind near it. (laughs) I've got, I got EVP. This is a story I've told many times, but I, I got EVP many, 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 many years ago when I was in high school. There was a, uh, there's a, it's actually not still, it's still around me. It's not very far from me, but there was a, a graveyard that me and my buddy were at. And, uh, back then nobody, there was no, there wasn't no ghost hunting shows or anything. There was nothing about this. I had read about it in books and stuff. So I had a little handheld tape recorder and I would always record on one side of the tape and only one side. And, uh, we would just set the tape recorder down at like graveyards or whatever, and just walk around and read tombstones and stuff and uh, just hang out and maybe if we got something on tape we did if we did we did if we didn't we didn't um so it was coming up on time to leave i just told this story on another show actually a few weeks ago but it was coming up on time to leave it was getting it was like oh god it was going into the fall so it was getting earlier it was getting darker early 
And uh, I asked my buddy what time it was, and he tells me the time, and you know, I go over and stop the tape. And later on, we're listening back to it. Of course, we didn't get anything, but when it's getting to the end of the tape and we're getting ready to leave, before I asked my buddy the question, what time is it, a voice very clearly, very, very clearly comes through and says, time for you to get a watch. And then you hear me say, what time is it? Oh, uh, it's 8 o'clock. All right, well, we should probably get going or whatever the hell I said. So Whoa. it uh. didn't freak me out that I got an EVP because that was why we were there for. You know, I was like, well, yeah, we're at a graveyard. We're looking for ghosts. We got some. My, my, my buddy went nuts. He was flipping out. <clears throat> he thought, he was like, how did you do that? I'm like, I didn't do anything, you know. But what made me crazy or really weirded me out was how did it know I was going to ask the question before I asked the question? Yeah, totally. That's the, that's the super crazy part. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it that I was like, well, what, I was like, does time work different there? Does time, you know, like did did he was he answer, did he hear my question and he was answering it, but it came through before I answered the question? Or was there some weird time dilation or something like that? And no, I don't have the tape. I lost it years and years ago. I've moved many many times in my life. I've lost it. Yeah. Um. And if I did have it now, I'm sure it would sound horrible because cassette tapes over. You know, you find your old Cure cassette tape from when you're a teenager and you listen to it. It sounds like crap now. You know, because the mag the magnetic signal on the tape is only so strong. Um. But that was it. That was the only thing that I've ever gotten, you know, along those lines. And I've never quite understood, you know, how what was answering me and why it answered the question before I asked it. And the other thing, it was like, okay, it's it's got a sense of humor. It made a joke. It was it was a smart ass. Yeah. You know, and that was like, you know, it was like that's I don't know, that was pretty, you know, it was both very cool and very strange at the same time. It was just like matter of fact, time for you to get a watch. And it was only me and my buddy, and he didn't say it, and we weren't by the tape recorder. We were a little bit of, you know, we were a few things away, you know. So, you know, and that was it. But, you know, again, things were different back then. You didn't, you know, my my ghost hunting guide was books by Hans Holzer, you know, things like yeah. that, or, or Charles Fort. You know, there was no real – it's not like now, like where you walk into the uh, New Age section of a bookstore, it's like, you know. Oh, yeah. Thousands of books about whatever. You know, that, that so. just reminds me of it. So this is the theory I've had for ghosts. And I think it, I think it can apply to pretty much all paranormal stuff is that we're, de- what we're dealing with are slices of reality. And this is very much, I wrote a book very close to this. So, you know, this is going to sound familiar people is just the next reality over is just bleeding through at that spot. So that guy that, that's made the snarky comment to you. It's probably in the next universe over, but for some reason could see you guys and was so annoyed because that's probably a picnic spot over in that universe. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, what are these two fucking idiots just wandering around making noise at me? So he he heard you ask your friend in that universe, mm-hmm. hey, what time is it? And he's like, time to get a fucking watch, asshole. I've been listening to you wander around for a while. Now, the well, other you, is mysterious you, is because we're one universe next door. So time just runs a little bit different. That's where you see Victorian people. That's where you see UFOs because that's, yeah. that's a future time that bled through. I've heard stories about that. There's a, a, a local guy named John Tenney who was on uh, he was on Paranormal State. And he does a bunch of lectures and things like that. And he was talking at one of his events about how he did something at a house and there was an old lady there. And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this story as well, like I've done every other story tonight. <laughs> You're, but, uh, he was you, telling a story well. <laughs> about how he was at this house. And this old woman kept drawing pictures of it's either the old woman was drawing pictures of kids that she would see and stuff. And the whole family's like, all right, you're nuts. And then years later, uh, somebody else bought the house and he went back and checked on the house. And there was a family living there at the house. And there were kids that were living there. And the kids that the lady drew were ones matching the kids that were living at the house. And the kids had said, yeah, we see this old woman 
from time to time around the house. Yeah, right? So, you know, it was one of those situations where the old woman was seeing the kids and the kids were seeing the old woman. You know, one of those deals. And you you've also hear stories about a, like a guy walking across a field and he sees a guy walking up to him and the guy is wearing like modern like clothing we would have now and or like back in the 50s. And he says, why are you dressed so strange? And the guy that's wearing clothing from the cowboy era, I was like, well, sir, why are you dressed so strange? And they both look at each other and keep on walking. And uh, the one guy's like, how, you know, how can you be dressed like that? It's freezing snow out here. And the guy's like, there's no snow out here. We're in the middle of the summertime. And they both part ways and keep on going. So, you know, there's there's stories like that. There's all kinds of different dilation stories like that out there. Yeah, that's just but, that's uh, the one that makes sense to me. So it's just, you know, the universe next door, the time runs a little bit different. So it's just mm-hmm. you're just getting weird bleed throughs because it explains I could explain the UFO thing because that whole UFOs. Here's the thing about UFOs or, or I should say alien abduction phenomena. I don't hear a lot of stories or at least of the valid abduction stories that I've heard. The ones that I consider valid, you know, not the mm-hmm. Neptunian bullshit. I don't know. Oh, re- that was the golden age of ufology. That was my favorite time. Oh, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love reading about it. But I mean, as far as what I would consider, what I would write down in a book of possible evidence, uh, not a lot of stories show up there. But you know, a lot of the grays and stuff, one, they barely ever communicate. When they do, it's, oh, I looked in their eyes and it was terrifying and they gave me a psychic signal. But mm-hmm. it's not like they say, hey, we're from outer space. At no point do they go, what's up? I'm Gleep Glop. I'm from. Neptunia. Actually, they have. No, no. I mean, the Betty and Barney Hill story, they said that they were from, you know, they gave her a star map and stuff. Yeah. So there has been many instances where no, they've said we're from a do- another solar system oh, no, it, and we're here to save you. It happens. It just, it seems like the, the of the reliable ones, like the, 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 you know, communion or, you know, the, the fire in the sky. What the hell is that dude's name? Uh, Travis Walton. Thank you. You just well, said it before. I couldn't think about it. Yeah. Define reliable. Well, I mean, the one, <laughs> I, no, I know. I'm just saying the ones that I don't feel like just don't scream bullshit at me. Like, like back in the fifties where it's like a blue eyed magical well, angel came down. Yeah. yeah it, like that just, you're never going to yeah, convince the me. experience of it. I want to have. I want to have a, a, a ship of hot, hot <laughs> yeah, Venusians exactly. land and be like, we need you for your seed to save our planet. You yeah, know? that's now I'm married, but I'm sorry, honey. I've got to save a civilization. <laughs> well, they've got that, you know, the, needed. <laughs> I'm in a different time zone. It doesn't count as cheating. This is literally I'm in a different time zone. I'm in I'm in the future on Venus. I think it's cool. What happens on Cloudor stays on Cloudor. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, frankly, I, I don't know your wife from 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 Adam, but neither do I. But go ahead. I feel like your wife would have to be open minded enough to be like. You you had sex with a Venusian on another planet. I'm not saying she can be happy about it, but you got it. You got to forgive that because that's a once. That's like you know you've got your list of no, celebrities. You don't know you my can, wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know you got that list of celebrities you're allowed to bang, and you know everybody knows it's never gonna happen because you know you're never gonna beat them. But it's a fucking Venusian. I'm on Venus. <laughs> I mean this is this is God and not count. <laughs> I was an emissary for the human race. I'm sorry if it had to happen with my dick. <laughs> oh, th- that's those are my favorite. I, I I could sit and read those stories forever because they're so they were so different back then. They oh, didn't yeah. have UFO abductions back then were far different. It was you know we're the Space Brothers or you know, um, you know like the hot like the the Venusians and the Nordics and and the crystalline creatures and things like that or um, you know like the alien the ship would land in the road and be like you know I am here from another world and you know the whole um um uh not war of the worlds uh what's the one with the robot gort um the day the, the, day earth the earth stood still. Yeah. yeah you know those those kinds of stories you know those those are the they're, they're fun to read do i believe them no but man they're so fun you know yeah <laughs> it's it's like that's like, like my favorite time for ufology and then 
it was like after Betty and Barney Hill happened when that that was the beginning of the like the the goth UFO darker you know UFO stuff started setting in that was where it became like you know torturing and, and experimentation and grays and 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 things like that started to started to take their hold and that's where you see people like Bud Hopkins and stuff starting to come forward and find these other stories um, where things begin to get darker uh, and more sinister along those lines. Um, and you don't have, um, but again, it's like, it's like you were saying earlier, this, is this a phenomenon that mimics our times and just mimics, you know, it's again, go back to what Kutch was talking about, Joshua Kutch and like a lot of these stories are very similar to Faye, Faye folklore abduction stories. It's the, those were the stories for those times, you know, and this is where the phenomena is morphing into whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it, it appears to be or what have you. So, yeah, it's just it's our under, I mean, our understanding it, kind of imprints on it or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's 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 to sit back and look at it. It's it's something interesting. Um, but I, I try very hard not to have an opinion or what have you on it. You know, it's like, and it's another thing. It's like, this is the thing where they say, you know, the more you interact with it, the more it interacts with you. I don't want to interact with this stuff. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to have this stuff involved in my life. My life is crazy enough to, that I, to where I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night floating out of my bed, you know, having a sleep paralysis incident or something like that. You know, it's already crazy enough. And the, the experiences that I've had, I'm, I'm just fine with, and I, I would be perfectly fine not having any more. So. Yeah, when I was younger, I always wanted to get an alien abduction thing. Like that—that that was like a dream of mine. And as I've grown older and more anxious, it's like, no, I do not want that. You know, when I was young no. and brash, it sounded cool. But now I'm like, oh no, I—I I want to sleep through the night. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, because it's like when you have an ex- when you have a genuine, for real, crazy experience, a very strange experience, it is really jarring. It is something that. You know, it's, I used to say, God, I really wish like one of these hard nosed skeptics could have something like this happen to them. But one of a couple of things is going to happen. They're, they're going to have the experience and it's going to be, you know, I really think they would just talk themselves out of it. Like I was hallucinating or something like that, or it's going to put some, in, somebody into an existential crisis of faith. You know, it's like, like you're not going to have some high-level skeptic that writes for a skeptic magazine or something like that, having an alien UFO experience where a UFO flies over the car, you know, because it's going to be like, well, that had to be an experimental government craft. That that that's what that had to, that had to be because it can't be aliens. It has to be some kind of experimental alien craft, um, because you're not going to have somebody that's like, well, okay, I'm a hardcore skeptic. I write for this magazine or whatever. I've just had an alien encounter because they can't go and say, okay, I had an I had an extraterrestrial encounter last night. I was buzzed by a spaceship or, you know, Clocknop and Lignor got out of their car and offered me a cigarette because, you know, that would that would shut down what they are. There's the skeptic. Well, you know, now now it's okay. Now they're claiming to have a UFO encounter. This is something they actively fight against. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And I used to, you know, I always people, I want to have an experience. I want to, it's like, no, you don't want to have an experience like this because it can put you in a really strange place because then you start asking all kinds of questions that, you know, are you going to be able to deal with those kinds of experiences? And are you going to start because if, okay, well, okay, I saw an alien last night. So, I mean, I saw, I had a UFO flyover. That must mean that the grays are real. That must mean the anal probes are real. And that must mean that space brothers are real. And this is something that I've said many times on many shows. I can see where. Somebody would go to a UFO convention 
and they've had something happen to them. Cause like when I, the last time when I saw my UFO thing, I put on Facebook and I've said this a lot of times too, but I, I, you know, I put on Facebook, I just saw something fly over me and I described it and stuff. And I was working third shift at the time I was working midnights. I saw it at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning by six o'clock in the morning. I deleted it because everybody was like, Oh no, Rogan seeing little green men, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I deleted it. Um, but I was like, man, nobody, you know, people even knowing what I study and the stuff, the show that I do and stuff, people were still giving me grief about it. And I didn't want grief. I was like, I just saw something and I, I don't know what the hell this was. I have no idea what the hell this was. It's really freaking me out. And, um, I had one listener call me up. He's like, he happened to be a midnight person. He's like, yeah, here's my phone number. Give me a call, dude. I'm like, all right. So I call him up and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I told the whole story and I'm like, what the hell did I just see? And he's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know, man, but it's crazy. It sounds crazy. But, uh, so I, I heard you bought a, I heard you bought a used Jaguar and I'm like, what? No, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about cars right now. I, I, you know. <laughs> so I ended up like, I'm like, all right, I got to go, dude. I got to get back to my job or whatever. But I was just like, you know, what the hell? So, but fortunately I've been listening to paranormal shows and studying this stuff for years that I had a little bit of a buffer. So I wasn't losing my mind. Like, okay, I've, I've read stories about this. I've studied this stuff. I've, I've caught, I've talked about this stuff, you know, just, just, it's, it's kind of like when you get really, really high on marijuana and you got to talk yourself down when you can feel your heart racing, you know, it's like, all right, just, just calm down. Everything's gonna be cool. Yeah. You know, but so now take somebody at Joe average driving, I don't know, wherever they're driving at night, and then a UFO buzzes their car very slowly, got a car, and they see something. Now, you know, this is Joe Average. They don't have anybody to talk to. What are they going to do? Say, I saw a UFO last night. They're going to get laughed at or what have you. So you got people that something like this happens. They're looking for answers. So let's say they go to a UFO convention. So they go to a UFO convention. They get there and or a paranormal convention. And here you've got guys that are like, you know, you've got the UFOs are our space brothers or you've got the guys where, yeah, these aliens are real. And, and the, the, you know, the, 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 the grays are at war with the reptilians or the reptilians are actually alien demons that are trying to take over us. But altogether, you have people here that are willing to listen to your story. Yeah, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. You did see a UFO last night. And this is what's happening right here. So here, buy this book, and this is the answers to everything you want to know. This this is a book about alien abductions and blah, blah, blah. So now you have this cult-like mentality where people that have experienced something, they don't have a place they can go. They don't, since there really is no exact course of what this phenomena is, you can't go and sit and, you know, you just can't go to Joe, your buddy, and say, hey, I saw a spaceship. So now you've got a group of people that are all willing to listen to you, and they all want you to buy their book, and each book tells a different story or has a different narrative or something like that. So I can see how people would buy into this stuff if they have a genuine experience and they're looking for a place to go. Even if, like, the ghost hunter angle, okay, your house is, you think your house is haunted. You know, okay, maybe it's electrical interference or maybe it's whatever. It's regardless, you think your house is haunted. It may be haunted. So you call up a ghost hunting organization. You know, they'll come in. You know, we're going to come in and clean your house or we're going to do whatever. It doesn't matter. You're you're having an experience. You're having something difficult to deal with that is outside the realm of the norm that's affecting your life. You just want your life to go back to, I, I need to buy Billy's PlayStation. You know, I need to pay my gas bill. I need to pay my electric bill. I need to get up and go to work tomorrow. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with my walls bleeding or whatever your phenomena that you're having is. So some people, when they have these experiences, they just want to have something and, and get it dealt with and be gone or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you can see where all of these things that people that aren't into this stuff 
or how people get sucked into this stuff. You know, you can see how it happens and it's it's a very much like a buyer beware kind of situation. Oh yeah, I mean it's like any any cult or religion or whatever where it's just yeah, that it's oh look, a vulnerable person. Let's open our doors yes. and and train their brain into believing in it. Exactly. Yeah, I guess my my worldview is so skewed though cuz I don't really know any normal people anymore. Like I live in a really <laughs> weird town and most of my friends are odd, so it's like I kind of forget that like, oh yeah, that would be weird to people. Like Mm-hmm. Like pretty much everybody I know would, I'm not saying take it in stride, but would be, would be prepared to, to see a UFO or to, you know, have it be in a haunted house. I'm not saying, oh, this is going to be the easiest thing in the world, but I don't think it would rock anybody's moral, you know, fundamental foundations. Cause we're all, we're all pretty damn strange around here. So it's just, yep. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's what's happening right now. <laughs> like I've, I've, I've lived see, in I've, two, I've lived in two haunted houses. Like I've seen weird shit. I've done all sorts of drugs like so it's I'm good for you because you've got a buffer so yeah yeah got, exactly you know, you're like yeah that's that's a ghost you know like your house is haunted yeah it is but you know don't worry about it just hand me hand me the knife over there I gotta yeah. spread my vegan mar- miracle whip you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> but you know the other person's like oh my god blah 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 like I've got one friend she's really really into this stuff but at the same time she's terrified of it I'm like how can you be really into this stuff like I'm not going to say their name, but they, you know, recently they 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 had they, their cat passed away a little while ago. Great cat. I'm not a cat person. Oh, I love their cat, and I knew their cat was dying, so I went out and you know petted it and said my goodbyes and stuff like that. And then their their pet died. And then recently they had some kind of a cat in their house. Their their children saw it or whatever, and they're like, yeah, we we think our we think the ghost of the cat's in the house. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. And she's like, no, that's not sweet. That's creepy. And I'm like. Really? You know, you're you're this was a loving love part of your family. Is it is is the cat trying to possess you? Is is it trying to consume your soul? No, it's just running around and, and meowing every once in a while or something like that. I'm like, there's no harm done. I'm like, that's your cat. You love your cat, your cat loved you. That's that that, that could be your cat just telling you, Hey, I'm here, everything's cool, you know, I'm fine or whatever. You know, don't be afraid of it, it's not going to hurt you. But by the same token, like, yeah, I'm really into ghosts and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't see the dichotomy there. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. How can you, how can you be really into this, but terrified of it at the same time? You know, like if it were me, like my dog passed away a couple of years ago, if I heard my dog scratching on the door or barking and I'd probably tear up a little bit, but I wouldn't be terrified or afraid or scared. You know, I'd, I'd be rather, I'd be kind of happy that my dog is still around. I know my, know my dog is still out there somewhere or something like that, or in some way or another my dog's still around. It wouldn't freak, wouldn't freak me out at all. You know, there would be that little uneasiness, the weirdness of something's coming through from the other side, but it would very quickly pass to be like, okay, you know, that's cool. Thanks, you know, thanks for letting me know you're here. You know, it'd be yeah. rather touching to me. Yeah, totally. Especially, her. I mean, if you knew the thing, it, like it's, it's one thing if you move into a house and some rando ghost is there where it's like, I don't know this dude. Like, I wouldn't want this guy in my room if he was alive. I don't want him in my room if he's dead. But it's like, well, we're your cat. I knew that cat. It was alive like two weeks ago. So yeah, fucking hop yeah, up on the bed. Know, I'd be like, that's kind of sweet. You yeah, know? it's and nice. She's like, <laughs> you know, she was all creeped out. And I'm like, how can you be creeped out by that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's very touching and sentimental. And, you know, that's a very special thing. But even if you go into a house and there's a ghost in there, you know, I don't know how it works, but it's like, all right, well, you know, like I've got another friend who's they've got a quote unquote spirit that seems to follow them around from place to place. And they've come to terms with it a long time ago. I can't remember what they named it. We'll just say, okay, we'll say they named Ed, you know, and they said, oh, yeah, that's Ed. You know, we told that a long time ago. As long as you're cool with us, we'll be cool with you. So every time once in a while, something will happen at the house or they go, yeah, that was Ed, you know, and they just it's all fine, you know, for whatever reason. And I guess 
it is what it is. You know, if, if Ed wasn't bothering me or anything, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know, you know, <laughs> it, it, I guess it's kind of creepy, but at the same time, what, what am I going to do? You know, Ed's not bothering me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I lived it. So uh, when I first moved to Portland, no, for, who gives a shit about backstory? I lived in this old ass uh, Victorian house and there was, a, there was a ghost there that I saw every now and again. And it was freaky at first, but it never went in my room. I just, you'd see like kind of a thing walking through the hallway. And so the first couple of times, like, oh man, this is weird. I'm in an old freaky house and there's a ghost and this is scary shit. But then I realized, oh, it's not, it's fine. It's in like, it doesn't go in my room. It's, it's showing no anything. So after a while, I just started, you know, just being like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, not that I'd see it, but like anytime I'd be like in a weird, like, you know, three in the morning walking down the hallway and it's creepy as shit. I'd always just mm-hmm. give like a little, hey, what's going on? Hey. How's, how's it going, butler guy? Because it's like some old butler dude that's yeah. wandering the house. Just, you know, it's a day. What's up, man? Became like kind of friendly with me. I mean, I it Inter- never interacted at all. Yeah, but ever no. have any interaction with no. or anything nope. because of that? No? Just okay. only, only, it was just, it was just more, I mean, honestly, you probably thought I was a dick, but it just, it made me feel happy to say hi to some dead yeah, butler. Yeah, but think about that. <laughs> let's say, because if you fundamentally, ghosts are supposed to be quote unquote people. So let's say you're a ghost or I'm a ghost or whatever. And for whatever reason, you're stuck where you're at. I've, I've often bitched about this, like on the ghost hunting shows. If there's somebody like, okay, say I'm in a house and here comes this group of people that are ghost, quote unquote, ghost hunters. And they've got their little devices and they're like, if there's somebody here, could you please let us know you're here? All right. Well, I summon my chi or whatever the hell it is. And I, I knock over a pencil or whatever. Ah! <gasps> And they go running out of the house. And it's like, what a bunch of assholes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is what, okay. I let you know I'm here and this is how you respond. It, you know, it has to suck because I don't know if it works like Beetlejuice where you can't leave for so many years or you come back after so many years, but you're stuck there. Okay. You, you Now you're stuck. And then you've got these people that are just coming along and being dicks and screwing with you. So, you know, I would kind of hope that wherever I'm stuck at, at least the people that I'm stuck with are going to be cool. You know, I guess. I don't know. Well, that was my thought of just, you know, just treat it like it's some dude that I live in the house with. Yeah, it's a roommate that, that, that doesn't drink all your beer. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's a chill roommate. Yeah, the, the, house, the, the house I grew up in had this weird thing in the basement, and I, I actually got a bad vibe off of that. So, like, I would try to not spend time down there when it was presenting itself. Like, that was a... That place was creepy. So it was just like, nah, I'm good. Like that. So I've, I've had two sides of that story, but also I was very young. So, so who the fuck knows? Okay. Tell the story about how it presents itself. Tell what's the, st- well, the story I, background with that? I saw a full body black outline apparition once walk across a room. Like, mm-hmm. like, so it was there, but like, it would just, there was like three spots in the basement that were, I mean, there's no other word for it, but made you feel weird. Like it was creepy. And it would kind of, it would, so like you'd be hanging out down there watching TV, doing whatever, and it'd be fine. But then all, like it was, I I don't know how to word this, but it's almost like, like, like the psychic temperature changed. (laughs) I don't mean it actually got cold, which is a thing that happens in hauntings. Never happened, but I mean. dread. It's not even dread. It was just, it's almost like, it's almost like, if you've ever had a concert where like the, the musicians aren't playing any worse than they did the previous song, but do you feel the crowd kind of not being into it anymore? It was like that, where it's just kind of That's like... a weird topic, but yeah, I understand it completely. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it's you can't put your finger on it, but it's just kind of like, you can feel the vibe of the room is just now different than it was. That's the best, mm-hmm. I can't, because it's not like dread, it was just kind of like, just this bad vibe starting to come on, you know? And it just, mm-hmm. it was that, it was just kind of gross. And then sometimes it would be like, 
not malevolent, but it was just definitely got to just get the fuck out of here. Kind of like, like whatever was down there didn't want you hanging out sometimes. Like just, just, you know, it wanted the room to itself. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it wasn't anything, you know, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's, it's, it's vague, but I mean, that's the best you can do is just, there's just a tangible kind of, I mean, this is total woo, but it's just the vibe of the room was different. And then there was like a, 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 a you know, just like an acrid kind of, you know, are you empathic? Are you sensitive to other people? Yeah, yeah. I was I was just talking to somebody about this. How if if I, I it's so fucking embarrassing. But I responded to the lady at my burrito cart with like a half Mexican accent one time because I just I get so fucking because I just start I get so in other people's heads that I literally responded with like a and it's, she didn't even notice. But the way I said like the uh, the way I said thank you had like half an accent on. It. I'm like oh god that's fucking embarrassing and I have to like fight myself because I I do that shit all the time. I always fucking end up in other people's brains. So yeah, totally. Did you have that when you were a teenager? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was worse back then. Now I'm now I'm kind of old and crusty, and it's not as bad. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions because you, you, this is mirroring a conversation I had with somebody a little while ago. When you were younger, growing up, you you probably I'm going to assume didn't have anybody that you could talk about this with, correct? Uh, no. Not, okay, I don't remember talking to anybody about it. So, when you were having this happen as a child. Uh, by child, I mean teenager. That was probably when I would assume that it really began to ramp up, probably in your mid-teens. I was um, I was younger though when I I like I saw the full body thing when I was like eight. But I what I'm going at is um, okay. So we we did you ever have a situation? What was that? Oh, that was nothing. Oh, ooh, weird. Oh. Did we have an EVP? <laughs> Something weird came through. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably a glitch in the glitch in the matrix. Yeah. So did you ever have a situation where you were actually empathically experiencing somebody else's emotions? Uh, I don't want to say thoughts because I don't think thought quite works that way. But uh, on a level to where you weren't sure it was actually you were that were feeling the situation or you were feeling somebody else's uh, emotions or whatever you want to call it. And you weren't sure if they were yours or the persons that other persons that you were experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I refer to it as like them kind of, they're, they're bleeding through to me. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like we're like, if a friend's in a shitty mood, I'll be in a shitty mood. Even if they're don't interact, you know, it just kind of radiates. Yeah. Do you think that this contributed to your depression in any way, shape or form? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I wow. Okay, yeah, no, because I, I, it was, it was years upon years. I always thought I hated everybody. Like I, I was like a misanthrope. I was like, oh, I hate, I hate people. And it mm-hmm. occurred to me, it's like, oh no, I like really like people, and they're always, they're forever disappointing but you can't me. Can't be around. People. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, that was basically it. It's like I just okay. didn't, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing around them. <laughs> it was, I mean, so, I was way old when I realized that. <laughs> how are you in crowds? Uh, I don't. I mean. Not great. I mean, I I don't go in them. That I I avoid them if I can. <laughs> like I don't I don't go to I don't really like going places where it's oh, like super wow. busy. Yeah. Okay. How bad are the nosebleeds? Oh no 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 no. no. Well I no. I've had nosebleeds, <laughs> but no, they're the, that's uh, that's I think unrelated. <laughs> I'm not talking. I'm I'm not talking about cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> how no. bad are the nosebleeds and how bad are the headaches? Yeah. No, I actually do. I do get headaches pretty often, but. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been running into, I used to have a lot of these problems. Um, as I've gotten older, they've gotten better. Um, do you have certain people 
that for whatever reason you feel an, an incredibly strong attachment, whether you want to or not, to, or not, like, is there certain people for whatever reason that you're just permanently attached to them through some kind of an empathic level? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I have people in my life that I, I there's no, I, there's no, I could write down reason why they're in my life other than just, no, they're in my life. That's yeah. Have you discovered a way to turn any of this off yet? The, the, the one, not off. The thing that fucks me up is I get really bad vibes off of people. Like I can tell, like, and this is going to sound so shitty because Okay, I'll word it this way. I can tell a bad white person because it's going to sound racist here. <laughs> it's, I can tell a bad person just by looking at them like, er, those dirty, <laughs> like people that look like me mm-hmm. just, I sometimes can get, I just get a, like a ugh, vibe and I'm rarely wrong about that. Like, it, it, you know, upon further finding out about people, you know, in the, in the time that you do, you know, end up like, there's two people I can think of that. I knew from a place and then they ended up being kind of friends of friends. So I ended up like knowing a little bit about them and it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they actually were garbage fires of people. No, I had no idea. How, I wouldn't have known that. I just got like a ugh, feeling off of them and that I've sort of learned how to turn off. Cause I've also kind of learned that sometimes it's just people in a shitty mood, not just them being shitty people. So it's like, I can't base a whole, I can't base a whole relationship on them having had a shitty morning, you know? Mm-hmm. But the 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 turning off like random attachment, I I don't know. I never even thought about ha- needing to because I don't know. It doesn't seem that bad. Hmm. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah, you you. I I can relate. I I I, <laughs> I ask these questions because as of late, like there was a while ago, I had a conversation with somebody which I very much ended up regretting doing because I just don't like to talk about this stuff with a lot of people. But since I've done that, I've ran into more and more people which is how I can sit and tell you all of this stuff because I know, I know to some extent the formula behind it. I don't know how it works, but there's, there's a, there's like a set cookie cutter to this and it goes both ways too. Um, me and my wife have a very odd bond. Well, fortunately it's with my wife, but there's a few other people. Um, it, uh, it's, it drives me nuts, but, uh, it's this weird, it's, it's not, it's, it's not telepathy. I don't quite know what exactly what it is. It's not even quite empathy. It's just a very odd thing that happens with people. I think it happens a lot with, uh, you see a lot of it in like pl- people like police officers and things like that. Um, I shudder to call it, um, a psychic response. Cause I'm, I don't really don't believe in psychic activity, but I do have a listener that referred to it as it's, it's a, it's a form of flight or fight, uh, f- uh, fr- uh, flight or fight. It's a kind of a defense mechanism. And some people are just more sensitive to it than others. And I've, in my experience, I've discovered that the people that are really sensitive to it tend to have a lot of issues with depression, have, um, a lot of them have drug issues. Um, a lot of them have emotional imbalances of one kind or another, and I don't think so much of it is emotional imbalance. They just there's just this weird thing that happens that works on a different level. And since people don't talk about it, it's not normally accepted. It's not dealt with in a normal way. It's just kind of like, yeah, you're weird or you think you're psychic or something like that. It's not something you can go and talk to people about and tell people about for the most part. Because if you do, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, such and such thinks he's psychic and he can read minds. And it doesn't work that way. It's not something that works along those lines. But again, you can't tell people about it. And it's also poo-pooed and laughed at. Yeah. So I wonder how many people out there can do this, but are also experience experiencing depression or mood swings or things like that. And it's not so much that they're 
they're crazy or that they're nuts. It's just that they're picking up on the environment around them and are not sure how to quite process it and how to quite deal with it. Yeah, it's interesting because I, so, I, I don't like the term empathy either because it's not. No, because it doesn't work that way. I, I know yeah. it's so hard to explain. Because also it, like it's it's I mean, because empathy to me, like and I'm not like I'm not I'm not immune to to, to falling. But OK, like I, I it's not that I don't care about starving people in a starving country, mm-hmm. but like I'm not giving all my money to them. Like I'm not a, and a giant empathetic person like. I do give money to charity when I can, you know, I'm poor, but whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think empathy is like a different thing. That's like a, that's like a virtuous, like, I don't know. I just, I don't like using that word because I feel like I'm like. I know, but there's no yeah. other quite way to describe I, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. you're tuning in on an emotional level, so emotional implies empathic. Yeah, totally. But so, it's just. Because you're not reading yeah. a person's thoughts. You're reading what's going through on a different level with the person around you. And when you're around a lot of people, it's very difficult. I was in Vegas recently, and I was losing my mind because it was crowded at night. And for me, it's like I need to get out of here right now. I need to get away from these people because it's like white noise. There's no other way to describe it. It drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. So for me, there's this weird level where people always ask me this why I read at bars where if a bar is a certain level of busy, it's the perfect amount of white noise for me to concentrate because it's mm-hmm. just – I'm picking – like it's just like it, – it, it literally like a white noise machine where it's just – Ooh, I can only exist with my book. There's nothing else in my head right now. It's just they've all kind of crossed over with each other, and it's just this nice waveform for me to concentrate on. And you know, some people understand it. I think that's the people we're talking about here of like the, you know, that kind of. It's like yeah, I, I have a term that I use for stuff like this. I I always go to the term colorblind, where people that are colorblind just can't see certain colors. And people that just don't, you know, people who don't experience things that are odd or understand things on a different level, they're just colorblind to this kind of stuff. They can't see it. They can't experience it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like trying to ascribe an orgasm to a virgin, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. You know, it's, it's just something that's very different and cannot be explained. Um, it used to be really bad for me when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, it's gotten much, much better. And that, that might have been one of the things that kind of keyed me into all of this weirdness and stuff like that to some level makes that makes me drawn to it or what have you. Um, but yeah, I've, I've met more and more people that are out there that are like this. But the shitty thing is, is like you can't turn it on or you can't turn it off. It's something that just happens. You know, and it's it's really hard when it goes both ways. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it sucks when like you're projecting stuff out, and somebody's picking it up, and it's like, wait a minute, no, don't don't do that, no, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I have some uh, some listener friends, you know, like the 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 randos that you become friends with that I kind of think on that level with. Like, there's a couple of people that like immediately sprung into mind of like listener wise, where it's like, yeah, I'm weirdly attached to this person that I've never met and barely interact with. But it's, you know, you yeah. just got this yeah. weird, like, I know that. yeah, I like, know oh, that. If, if we were in a room together, we'd totally be like, yep, that's, you know, you're, you're my buddy. We're, we're, we're here. We're, we're, mm-hmm. you know, like in the, in the new age world, we'd be part of a soul group. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so hokey and horrible to yeah, say it that way, though. <laughs> no, yeah. It's it's terrible. But it's, well, yeah. What are you going to do? Let me, um, let me change the subject, though, because I you mentioned before, um, Stephanie asked you a question of some kind about tulpas or whatever. And since Stephanie's a mutual friend and listener of ours, um, I feel that we owe it to her to tap into that or, or to oh, talk yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Let me, that. let me bring Something, up. The... She asked some odd question about tulpas. Yeah. Let me, let me bring up the question here because, um, I'm going to admit to you that I'm, I don't think I actually understand what she was asking. So. I didn't either, but I didn't want to say that I was hoping you did. I'm like, oh, well, Alex is on a much more intellectual level than I am <laughs> well, with this stuff. 
I mean, so, I, th- I think we could guess at it. So, so Steph Quick asks. Well, I could, you know, since we're doing this in real time, I could actually just bug her via Facebook and say, uh, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. What you talking about? <laughs> re Alex question. But so, so Ste- go ahead and dig up the question. Yeah. And I'll see if I can. I'll see if she's on right now. I'll just bug her. So uh, she asks, "Why do people leave out the role of stable thought forms and the extrusion of the aesthetic body when discussing the creation of tulpas?" Now, I, I, I understand the question. I just, I mean, I guess, do people leave it out? Like, is, is, is that not, um, I'm here. I just got my microphone muted. So, you no, no, it's, I, the keys. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I guess my you musings on this is be like, get out of the air woman. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the, the thought is, okay. So a tulpa is okay. So it's Tibetan. Th- just, uh, let's catch the listeners up. Yeah. Tulpa, Tibetan concept, it's a it's a thing that's created with the power of the mind, and it takes some form of real shape. Um, modern references, people refer to like the Slender Man, which was a bit of creepypasta, totally invented fiction form that enough people thought about and takes a almost form of reality and then ends up those it little girls. It takes a physical form. And yeah. The term for it is tulpamancy. So what you're essentially doing is you're you're creating a being into existence to do it's it's a mindless kind of golem for for lack not not golem from Lord of the Rings. It's a servant of some kind that basically like go over there and lift that up, put that over there, go over there, make me a martini, you know, uh, along those lines. The problem with tulpas is supposedly after a certain you can only have them around for a certain period of time, or eventually they began to develop their own reason, their own preferences, their own their their own intelligence and cognizance, and they become harder and harder to control. Um, the term for it is topomancy, and it was, from what I understand, it was from uh, Tibetan monks that yeah. they had, you know, materialized this serpent, this serpent, this servant into being. So um, I don't know what the hell, the, how I didn't quite. I, Steph, I love you, but sometimes you get really, really deep to, you know. I, I have a hard enough time comprehending Pabst Blue Ribbon beer sometimes. So, <laughs> well, all right, let's okay, let's break this down. So, the role of stable thought forms. Okay, so stable thought forms. I'm guessing she means what I was describing that enough people focus on a thing or a person focuses on a concept enough that it becomes a stabilized thought form. So, if I uh, uh, they're they're in in you know uh, East Western European, there'd be like pukas, where like okay, I'm picturing my seven foot rabbit in a room with me. And that's become a stabilized thought thought form enough that it's actually a thing that can be experienced, I guess, and then poof, objectively. There's a seven foot tall rabbit in your room. And it's asking you why you're wearing that stupid man suit. Exactly. Ahead. Yes. Uh, uh, and then, all right. So I think that's what she means about stable thought form. And then the extrusion of the aesthetic body. I, I mean, I mean, I know what extrusion means. That's like when you squeeze cookie dough out. And the aesthetic body. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that one. That one. I'm a little lost on. Yeah, she's not. Um, she's not. She's I, not responding to me. All right. Well, Steph, to answer your question is because we don't know what those things is. <laughs> we we are on such a lower plane of existence than you right now. We are. We apologize. <laughs> well, I think. I think really, to, to if I can just guess at what she's asking, so we can at least give some kind of answer here, is, I th- I think she's trying to d- d- draw a line between a kind of magically created thing that you know is a of a paranormal aspect in that it's created magically and you know then like takes form. yes magically delicious which i've never tasted a tulpa they could be wonderful uh 
or or like an actual thought form like a it's a psychic thing instead of paranormal which mm-hmm. i guess psychic is paranormal but you know what i'm saying like directly causal from thought and, and the other one is causal from magical ritual or or that thing this is an awkward habit apologies and then like like tomorrow we're recording the uh, thanksgiving feast show we're recording thanksgiving leftovers we do a show every year about stories of cannibalism that have built up throughout the year um no that i may listen to that's that that feels different to me <laughs> yeah that's you know yeah. and even though that's kind of like because everyone's like because we're, we're still clowns you know we still we still like to have a good time and and laugh and stuff like that. But a lot of the really stupid shows, like the closest we're going to get to that is the fast food freakouts where people go into fast food restaurants and, and beat each other with fast food or, or something like that. Cause so much crazy stuff happens in fast food places for whatever reason, like people go into Taco Bell or what have you and just flip out, yeah. you know, or you have, we did a story a couple of years ago where there was some cop that just flipped out. He ordered a burrito and pulled somebody over and tried beating him with a burrito you know, just like really off the wall stuff like that. It's like, how does a person, how does a person decide, especially a cop that, you know, was the guy high on meth or which drugs are often involved with a lot of these situations. Um, and they're just funny stories, but we're trying to stay away from stupid human tricks anymore now. And, yeah. you know, we're, but we still like to have a good time. No, I mean, nothing against those shows. It's just not my, not, yeah, not my cup of tea. That. Yeah. And there's like that true crime lady I didn't listen to because I don't like true crime. But like if if the title or like the guest, uh, you know, uh, strikes my fancy, those I'm like, oh, cool, I'll listen. But I, I skip around. There's just oh, yeah. there's there's not enough hours in the day to listen to podcasts. So it's like I'd rather I'd rather well, be plus, a shitty listener to to one show than to give up on it. The nature you know? of our show is we bounce around so much on topics like f- from week to week. We change so much. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that actually hurts our show because people that do that listen to shows like paranormal shows, a lot of people want to be listening to what I call paranormal's greatest hits. They want to go and listen to the shows where it's the same topics over and over and over again. You know, it's like they want to be retold the ghost story and they want to be retold the UFO story. And we don't do that. We We bounce around all the time. We're always trying to. The, the, the big thing for us is even though we do record funny stuff and sometimes we are jackasses, we do try to have some kind of teaching or some kind of new knowledge. Like even when Cutchin's on the show, you know, and we're talking about fairy folklore for all of the for the jokes we crack and the stupidity that we do. We are trying to teach people something, even with the fast food shows. You know, we've had stories on there about do you remember the Noid from Domino's Pizza? Of course. The, yeah. yeah, there was a guy that that uh, thought that. He flipped out. He went into a Domino's pizza place and thought that Domino's was making fun of him personally and the Noid was their way of doing it. So he went in there with a gun and like held these people hostage and flipped out in regards to this Noid thing. You know, <laughs> that the whole like avoid the Noid. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big thing. You know, it was a big thing when it happened and stuff, but they, they no longer use that. They, they brought it back very temporarily a couple of years ago for like uh, a commercial or some kind of a promotion or something like that. But the noise was funny, but this guy thought that they, by, by them making the noise that they were, they were targeting him specifically, you know, and, and trying to harass him. So, you know, but for all the, all of the stupidity and the stupid junk that we do, we always do try to have some kind of a nugget or a kernel where we try to teach people something different or try to teach people something new. So, you know, but that's like a lot of people tell us that they're like, yeah, I don't listen to every show because, you know, they'll just go through and if they see something that's interesting, then they'll, they'll listen to that particular show or what have you. Yeah. 
you know, and then, then I can understand that. That's the same way with our show. We get, you know, there's some topics where, you know, people just might not at all be interested in it or whatever. Like we don't do a lot of true crime at all unless it's very historical or something like that. But she had such a, uh, she had such a crazy story that we had to have her on to tell her story because it was just she was firsthand involved with with this crazy case that happened. So, um, well, give her a call, give her a shot, see if you can get her on the line here. <laughs> hey, Steph, how are you? I'm, I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> it's it's fun to finally actually get to talk to you. So, I know it doesn't feel real, does it? All we need you to do. Uh-huh. is to explain the question that you asked us about the tulpa because we couldn't understand a goddamn thing about what you meant. So <laughs> yeah, we, we posited on it. We mused about it, but we're not quite sure what you're asking. And then we just said, you know what? To hell with it. This is the Alex cast. Let's just give her a call. So hi. <laughs> hi. Um, yeah, well, I've uh, been, obs- well, I, you know how I am. I've been obsessed with all this stuff for decades upon decades. And, um, I also have done um, a fair amount of practice, you know, living in a meditation center and meditating and guruing and kundalini yoga and all that stuff. So if you get into this type of thing, you you know, there's the idea of various energy bodies as opposed to kind of the different types of uh, bodies that make up your physical body, right? Mm-hmm. So one of, if you look at, let's say, uh, your bones, your flesh, the liquid stuff, the chemical nature, the uh, electrical, uh, electrical magnetic field that your body generates through the central nervous system. These are all becoming more uh, subtle bodies. Then you have the realm of pure thought, uh, pure emotion, spiritual realms. You would all, these would also be like energetic bodies. Okay, so let's say your high spiritual self or in the realm of pure mind, you want to affect the physical body. The occultists or esotericists will say that there is a body between those two realms, kind of called the etheric body, which probably would be something electromagnetic, but we don't really know, that takes that thought and steps it down and puts pressure on the physical body to make physical changes. So the idea is that if you're creating a topa, according to this theory that Dion Fortune puts forth in her book, Psychic Self-Defense, and people talk about it all the time, but they keep saying that topas happen because you just think about something a lot. She posits a different process. So there's thought involved, but you also have to have what she calls the extrusion of the etheric. So if your thought has created a form, um, you know, that's stable in the realm of pure thought, or in like uh, Alex, as we said, like in, on the egregoric level, kind of the group thought level, you can use this etheric energy to uh, vivify it, to give it life and eventually independence. Um, she talks about this situation where she was she was very young and she went to study with a, a leader in a small group setting. And so um, someone pissed her off. So she was like really a very stubborn, you know, passionate person. So she's like really doing a big burn. It was kind of uh, twilight and she's laying there and taking a nap in this situation of half-life. And she's also halfway in between, kind of like half asleep, but still really brooding about how much she'd really like to, you know, just fuck over this bitch that screwed her, basically. Language. (laughs) 
especially no, that. no, let her go. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's just really doing this burn where you know you're thinking about it and thinking about it, and your emotions are getting more and more worked up. And she's just really, I mean, I think many of us have been in this type of situation. But usually things just kind of burn out on their own or people take an action physically to do something. They go yell at the person or uh, get, you know, do an addictive behavior or something, that type of thing. Or lots of times it just burns out on on its own. But anyway, she's thinking about this and suddenly she hits on um, the idea. It's, I think, Fenris, as she puts it, the wolf horror of the North is some ancient Norse god that takes uh, in the shape of a wolf and it, it. goes out and does vengeance against people. So she said, as soon as she hit on this pre-existing thought form, she felt, as she said, she, like a, a sensation from her solar plexus, like something's drawing out from her, like a physical sensation. And that's when she sees this wolf show up in her room. Now she saw it, she felt the weight of it. I can't remember if she, if she smelled it. So she had a good materialization. And, and then other people in the started seeing you know complaining the next morning that they were dreaming about wolf eyes and this type of thing so it's starting to infect the realm of other people i don't know if if anyone had a fully waking apparition of the wolf or not but that she realized that basically if she wanted to go down this path she'd keep going down it as she put the left hand path you know just black magic or whatever you want to put it you know just Instead of sucking it up, taking benches. Anyway, so she reabsorbed it through that same um, connection that she felt through the solar plexus. And then people stopped uh, having problems with the wolves. The interesting thing, too, is that the intent going to, um, how do I want to say, oh, what the intent or the purpose of this uh, created creature would be, she said that, um, and to me, this is the most telling manifestation beyond just seeing the wolves and other people dreaming about it. But she said that at the time that the wolf was in existence, before she reabsorbed it, she had an opportunity to really get this person back good. But she felt that, you know, to stop this whole process, you know, she had to turn it down and just basically go forth meekly. She's also a big Christian as well. So that helped her, I think, too. But anyway, I don't know if that answers your question or if that clarifies things at all. But um I just hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, just a tulpa, you just need to think about it. And I was like, well, no, you got to kind of think about it in a certain way. And then I think that for it to become independent, it needs some of that emotional juice to. See, that's the thing, though, is that you don't want it to gain independence because once it does, then you supposedly lose control of it. And exactly. that's, it's like Frankenstein's monster. It's, it's okay if you have control over it, but once it stops listening to you, then you've got a problem on your hand. Oh, yeah. So, can, yeah. You yeah, know, I, how do you get rid of it at that point? Well, she actually, she talks about, if you, if you read Dion Fortune, she writes a lot about that type of thing. Uh, her main teacher was this guy named Moriarty. And um, she talks about basically the way that you uh, deal with these things is that you have to absorb it into yourself through compassion and love. Wow. Okay. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I've summoned an angry Fenris wolf creature, which is the guardians to the gates of hell in Norse mythology. Well, it's different. The summoning is summoning is one thing. Uh, Creating yourself, giving your own life force to something else. It's like the difference between uh, calling in a pizza and making a baby, right? 
Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so okay, what is summoning? I, I, I've summoned this wolf creature. Oh God, Lobo is just going to love this. So, my 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 little wolf creature Fenris is now out, you know, causing problems and and and, and pissing on people's yards or whatever, you know, yeah. causing grief. So, okay, now I have a problem. How do I get this creature back? Love, compassion. I feel love. You just suck it back into your body or it just ceases to exist. And by feeling love and compassion, how exactly you can't just, okay, I'm feeling love and compassion now. How, how do you, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is one of the things that gets me about uh, the Tulpa situation. Just as a, a point of personal peeving as it were. Um, a lot of people talk about, oh, blah, 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 what about this? She says exact, you know, and they claim to have read these accounts. You have not claimed to have read this account, so I'm not saying this about you. But she says, she gives a very specific instructions and says that you really can't do it unless you, you know, because you say, well, being love, well, that's one thing. But it, it takes a lot to remain compassionate in these extreme situations when you're having a lot of emotions thrown at you. Anyway, her procedure is... Um, she waited until uh, uh, twilight, which is the conditions in which she had created this creature. She call, called him to her because, you know, she created him. And she says, you basically visualize a, a shining cord going between your solar plexus and their solar plexus. And you start to um, just kind of draw the energy like it's like you were sucking it through a straw, as you said. Um, draw the energy towards you. And as you feel it drawing towards you, uh, you turn it into love energy. You can visualize it as a white light or whatever. But um, it's an energetic work. It is like work. (laughs) (laughs) You got to summon it. You got to get angry and you got to summon it. And then when you summon it, then it's like, all right, I'm wrong. Love and compassion. (laughs) You know, you got to turn into a hippie, you know. Well, the thing is, I think that I think that I didn't explain is that this happened to her spontaneously. She didn't set out to create a topa. She just kind of ended up getting this huge brood going. And then when she hit on this pre-existing thought form, it just happened. She was also, I think, you know, she was very uh, talented as an uh, occultist from the time she was pretty young. She'd do a lot of channeling and automatic writing and inspired writing and all that type of stuff. And she was, and, in, and you involved. said she was a Christian. Yes. But she's also, uh, very, uh, highly responsible for a lot of, um, the kind of, uh, pagan revival today. She was really, she wrote two of her big books, uh, that are real popular, Moon Magic and The Sea Priestess, and they're both about this lady who's, like, supposed to be, like, a 120-year-old, uh, uh, woman who was, uh, remembers her, her, uh, previous incarnations as a priestess, priestess of Isis in Atlantis and in Egypt and stuff, and she, she's always doing these super intense pagan, like, super intense sex magic rituals. Yeah, one of these yeah. things is not like the other. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> like Christian and sex magic do not go together very well. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus was born of sex magic. If you think about it. Exactly. I mean, that's, okay. it's immaculate conception. What, what, what bigger sex magic act can you have? It's the truth. It's the I jizz of God. It's, it's invisible spooge. <laughs> jizz of God. <laughs> it's funny. Cause you know, we were, I went to Italy with my husband, Anthony in September and of course, I was very interested in seeing all the art, and uh, I was 
I have problems with my legs, so I spent a lot of time in the room, but I was able to go see some, they have just, I mean, the Uffizi is just amazing, and they have a bunch of enunciations, and uh, Anthony was cracking me up, because he, he, he kept all these Madonna and Childs, and I, I was like, look at that guy, that baby, the baby Jesus looks like Dom DeLuise, you know, oh God. <laughs> he looks like the Godfather, he's like, you, I'm the king, you, so I was, you know, he was cracking me up, anyway, with the enunciation, I was thinking after a while, you see all these ones, and I'm thinking, here's the deal. You have the, you know, archangel, who's it, Gabriel, who is telling uh, Mary that she's going to have God's child. And they always show him as some, you know, devastatingly handsome, graceful, suave guy in the latest fashions. Plus, he has these incredible, you know, like parrot wings or hawk wings or whatever. So she's completely dazzled by this guy. Meanwhile, you see the Holy Spirit coming up from above. And you know she's completely distracted by this angel, and next thing you know, you have this dove all over your neck. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I think that those angels are a hell of a wingman. I wish I had some porn music to play in the background right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was making me think though, because I haven't done. I you know I've been to the Renaissance Fair and made costumes and stuff for myself and. Tony and other people, but um, I haven't made anything. I've been trying to think of my next inspiration for like a nice fancy costume for a while, and I just love to go as one of those angels with the big wings from the Renaissance, all the gold leaf and stuff. I oh, just love seraphim. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a seraphim. Yeah. Mm. Huh. So all anyway, right. yes. Yeah. So I don't know how you can explain Dion. For, I mean, she just she was very open mind she said like a lot of the pagan stuff she was saying you know i was just kind of inspired to write this and this came out of me and she was spent a lot of time as a as a channel and and uh scryer that type of thing so i think she was used to things just moving through her and not getting too grabby about it sometimes so i, I don't know though i don't know this is all new for me i've, I've never <laughs> heard of this person and then this is this is one of those things where i'm fascinated by where it's like you have somebody who is a quote unquote devout Christian of some kind, and mm -hmm. yet they go into this very strange realm of magic and and all of this other stuff, which, you know, it, Christianity shuns this stuff. You know, this is not something that you were to discuss or think about in Christianity. In Christianity, it's like this is the flavor. You drink this flavor and this is it. You, yeah. you, you, know, you drink Coke. You don't worry about Pepsi or, or you know, Mountain Dew or, or you, this is all you're drinking right here. This is mm -hmm. it. Well, it's just a time we're living in. Back, back when Dion Fortune was around, that was during the height of Christian mysticism. So there was a bunch of people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was, you know, that was pretty popular to be like Christian and like having some kind of like mystical occult powers. That was like a nice like 75 year span. That was, you know, pretty much the big deal. <laughs> yeah, but is she actually... The thing is, though, that she, if you read, like, she'll have these, you know, big tracks about how, you know, exactly how you're, I mean, some, a lot of it is valuable, but some of it is just, you know, like, how you should never masturbate and, you know, all these terrible degrading things it does to your, uh, you know, energetic body or whatever. And, you know, you should only have sex in marriage in this particular way and blah, 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 and never use birth control because, of course, you just hold off forever it just sounds horrible. But anyway, but at the same time, you said this is really intense pagan stuff. And the, to me, the fact that it goes beyond what most people would have been able to reconcile in their minds is that the, um, 
she founded a society for the inner light and they actually wouldn't publish, I think, a lot of her stuff for a long time because they wanted to take it in a real Christian direction. And some of her most popular stuff, you can't fit it in there. So, um, yeah, she's very, there's an article, article I uh, was reading that's an interview with Paul Weston about her and I'll send it, a link to you guys. It's very interesting about kind of why she's worth reading and and some of the big contradictions in or seeming contradictions in her life. But she's a very interesting person. I like that, for example, in this Tulpa thing, she takes something which would be a pretty mortifying thing to admit that you have done, and she'll lay it out, and she will generally lay things out well enough for you to really figure out how you could go and do something similar. So, Not sure if I would want to, though. Well, the thing is, exactly— and this is one of my big points, is that even if you don't, I mean, there's a plenty of things that I wouldn't want to do. At the same time, sometimes things will happen by accident. Uh, sometimes you'll have a capacity that opens up and it's, you know, hitting you full in the face, whether you want to get involved or not. And if you don't have accurate information, you can't uh, address it, it or it can be much more difficult to address it, you know, uh, help positively. Does that make sense? For example, uh, if you're like if you're an empath, I've known other people where a number of people where <laughs> you feel open. <laughs> no, we just got done having a conversation about a very in-depth conversation. How 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 strangely weird that you should bring this up, but go ahead. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so you know if you are. Especially, I think if it, sometimes if you're a woman or you're at all artistic, you're you're going to be paying attention to the interior states of people around you, or you've been told that you should, and this is very important to you. So it can become very difficult, especially if you start to open up the more subtle channels to that type of thing. You know, when you're getting all this stray emotions or thoughts that you don't really know where they're coming from or why, and you think, well, society tells me this should all be me, either that or I'm crazy. If someone else can step in or another stream of information and say, maybe what's going on is that you're hypersensitive to other things that are happening to people in your environment or, you know, in the uh, know the information sphere at large, then you might be able to begin to tease out what's you and what's other people and get uh, be able to deal with that more healthy way. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to. Lie. You're going to have a lot of fun listening to this show because uh -huh. <laughs> that's what we just talked about. <laughs> like as we were trying to get you on. <laughs> How very odd. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 probably just as confused now. But um, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I could do my part. <laughs> yeah. So Steph, to answer your question, uh, I think people leave it out because there's a lot of uh, summoning of Fenris, and uh, it's just confusing. <laughs> Lack of masturbation is another problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Just on that note, just randomly, do you know that Kellogg's cornflakes was invented as an anti-masturbation thing? Exactly. Yeah. Why do you think I boycott them? Yeah, John Wesley Kellogg was like a weirdo <laughs> Christian guy that believed that if you ate like this like wholesome diet that you would stop feeling, you know, pangs of lust. And so yeah, cornflakes were based to make you know, to make you uh not jerk off. Yep. Well they failed there. <laughs> <laughs> we just there was a big old bowl of cornflakes. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Have you ever tried jerking off a cornflakes? It's too no, no, no. scratchy. God. <laughs> See, life always holds something spectacular for you in the future. Yeah. No, I don't eat life either. <laughs> is that a, is, is life a Kellogg cereal? I think that's Nabisco, isn't it? Oh, no, I don't know. You, you, I don't know. You were expecting a lot more cereal knowledge cereal. out of us than I currently possess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're taking this too far, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to know the cereal monsters, you know, like Frankenberry. Uh, I got you there. But other than that. Can you name the fourth one? Uh, well, there's there's uh, Cow Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry, and Fruity Brute? Fruit Brute? Yes. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I, yeah, Fruity I, Brute is the one that nobody remembers. I know. I know a shocking amount of uh, weird monster facts that even enters into the realm of cereals. <laughs> so what I need you to do is I need you to get very angry about something. And then I need you to summon the Fruit Brute cereal monster. And oh, that would be awesome. when it goes out in rampages, then I need you to feel love and compassion and bring Fruit Brute back into you. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll try. Then don't he, master. He, <laughs> He, he looks kind of huggable. <laughs> uh, well, guys, I do have to go because we've been going for a couple hours. Oh, here. yeah. But, yeah. Um, this needs to, this Steph, needs to it stop. It was nice to talk to you and, and, and somewhat person, finally. <laughs> even if it's Yay, not on no, my show. Really exciting. <laughs> I thought it would never happen. And now here it is manifesting in our shared reality. Wow. Yeah, this has been a crazy show all the way up. Uh, even I w- we were just like, I'm like, well, let's just call her. Let's just get her on the air. I'll, I'll, I'll message her on, like, we're, during the recording. I'm like, I'll just message her on Facebook and see what happens. So, <laughs> Yay. Look at that. Modern witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun talking to you both. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Steph. Thank <laughs> you, uh, Roden. Uh, uh, bye, everyone.